I'm Halima Atta, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Perspective. Welcome back to the show, everyone. As a sort of midweek update, testing season personally just started. So I started my exam season off with AP US History. I took that this Wednesday. And I'm not going to spend too much time on that as an episode opener, though, because I do not want College Board to invalidate my scores. So we're just going to end it there. Anyways, though, after my exam, because my phone was completely turned off, I turned it on and just started scrolling through all of my social media to see what I missed during the three hour and 15 minute duration of the exam. And I saw that a remake of iCarly, a really popular children's TV show from the early 2010s, would be coming out next month. While this news wasn't anything urgent or super concerning, you know, anything of global importance, it was especially exciting for me at least because it was one of my favorite shows when I was younger, as it was for most people at the time. But what stuck out to a lot of people was that Jeanette McCurdy, who played one of the main characters, Sam, wasn't in the newest announcement post. She wasn't present in the picture at all. Who was in the picture, though, alongside the main cast, were two new characters, played by actresses Lacey Mosley and Jaden Triplett, who happened to be black women. And with the introduction of these new characters, racists on the internet went crazy. There was just a slew of negative feedback and racially charged comments directed towards these black women that was just completely unprovoked. And it was just confusing to me to finish that AP with history exam and just be greeted by the internet's disapproval of a popular TV show's revival simply because of the presence of black characters. And while this probably would have been unsurprising to the 19th century northern abolitionists I was reading about prior, it came as a huge shock to me. But above all, one claim was agreed upon by those who were annoyed by the show's new cast, that it was forcing diversity, because there were two black main characters in a predominantly white cast. I'm not even going to attempt to smoothly segue into the next transition because the focus of today's episode is directly related to what I just said, diversity. So continue listening to hear me delve into everything related to this device of inclusion, what diversity is, why it's necessary, and the big question, whether or not we should be worried about it being forced. Oftentimes, people tend to throw around the word diversity whenever a person of color is seen in a predominantly white space when that isn't always an accurate demonstration of the word. Because technically speaking, diversity can be observed outside the confines of race. It can be showcased through gender identity, age, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, religious beliefs, among many others. So while perusing through the internet to find a solid definition of the word, I came across an article from a college, namely Queensboro Community College based in New York. And although this article was probably meant to publicize their diversity programs on campus, they offered up some great definitions of what it means to promote diversity. One particular excerpt of this article mentioned that the concept of diversity is about understanding each other and moving beyond simple tolerance to embracing and celebrating the rich dimensions of diversity contained within each individual. I wanted to focus on one aspect of this definition, the word tolerance. In this case, tolerating is the bare minimum, simply permitting diverse people, whether racially or gender-wise, etc., to coexist with those that are different than them is not fostering diversity. So whether it's through schools or representation in film, television, books, that avoidance of going past the literal expectation is where the flaws of diversity begin to emerge. The implications of not implementing diversity well can often be worse than a complete lack of diversity altogether. And I would like to divide the issues presented by this poor demonstration of diversity into three main groups. I call them the one, unfulfilled promise, two, inaccurate representation, and three, soul tolerance. So to begin with the first one, the unfulfilled promise is an issue presented by a company or organization's promise to feature diversity without actually doing it. 
And while this seems like an obvious one, it can be difficult to identify because it's centered around a fake image of diversity which appears to be real but isn't. Take schools for example, and I think namely private schools, because that's something that I've seen the most within those, like that sector of the education system. So a lot of times, private schools and just schools that promote like elitism and just exclusivity lack certain demographics. They usually are just constituted by white people, just very limited ethnic, racial demographics. And to combat them being viewed negatively by people who want diversity, they'll go around and take pictures of the very few black students or Asian students or Hispanics at the school and plaster them on their websites to make it feel like they're actively fostering a space of inclusion and diversity when those people in those photographs on their websites are one of the only people of color on their campuses. And this is something that I've seen a lot, which is very disheartening and kind of concerning because If I didn't have, like, if I wasn't a student within the school system, if I didn't know that this was what was happening behind closed doors, I would have thought that all of these schools, especially private programs, were fostering inclusive environments and just had a great spread, like a range in demographics when they really don't. Because on the website, you see a bunch of people from different ethnic and racial backgrounds. And then you go to the school in person, you're actually experiencing it as a real student, and you see none of that. There's just a complete lack of diversity, which is something that's promised on the website that effectively swindles a lot of parents, guardians, and just family members of those who seek to be in these programs. And most importantly, it affects the students themselves. If my high school portrayed a bunch of diverse populations on campus and clubs and extracurricular activities, I would be ecstatic to go and, you know, intermingle with a bunch of people from different walks of life. And it would be really disappointing to go in there and see no one that looks like you, to see no one that is like no diverse population, just to see one monotone uniform look. I would like to label that racial swindling, if that's a term I can use. I don't know if that's a real word, swindling. But it sucks because essentially it's lying. It's lying about the makeup of your schools by taking the very, very small population of people of color, for example, on a campus and plastering them all over the front of a website, utilizing them solely for photo purposes, for photo opportunities, and putting them on, on a website to make it appear as if they're the main makeup of the school, like that, po- those populations of people of color are spread evenly throughout the school when that's not the case. So it kind of just tricks people, parents, guardians, and especially, like most notably, the students are actually seeking to enter these academic programs. The next category of issues presented by poor diversity is one that I would like to call inaccurate representation. Now, this is one of the most noticeable because of how big of an impact that representation plays in people's lives, meaning its inaccuracy can prove to be very harmful for a large audience. It's something that we see in real life, which is why it's so easy to spot. So when discussing its inclusion in the media, Diversity often manifests itself in two characters, whether through the medium of TV or books or film, etc. But way too frequently, diversity is promised to be portrayed through these modes of entertainment, and the promise is kept, but the end result is often inaccurate, which leads to, one, stereotypes that promote a negative view of certain races, ethnicities, genders, religious groups, and many others. And I think a very clear demonstration of this can be seen through the overwhelming presence of anti-Semitism in children's entertainment and in entertainment entertainment in general. More often than not, a lot of shows and movies will showcase the villain or main antagonist of the plotline with physical features that are commonly observed in Jewish people, noting them to be greedy and evil and just terrible characters. And this just contributes to a rise of anti-Semitism, people allocating these qualities that they see in fictional characters with 
predominantly like Jewish physical features to Jewish people in real life that have nothing to do with fictional worlds, which is why it's so harmful when certain populations that are like diverse peoples are represented wrong in the media because it influences people's view of them, how we perceive them in real life. Another very popular caricature, if you will, that's painted of minorities includes them being weird, clueless, quote unquote, foreigners with a bad connotation. The list goes on. It's very extensive. And a very clear way that you can see this demonstration is through accents. A lot of times when an African character, for example, is portrayed in a TV show, especially children's TV, it's like the children's shows are always a real problem. But in these shows, they often dramatize the accents that um, are heard from different characters and the actors are never of that ethnicity which just makes it seem like they're mocking people who actually speak in that manner and what it does is influence people to believe that oh if you speak with this accent or with this dialect you're weird or you're funny you're like the focal point of our the comedic you're like the comedic focus of the conversation for the day it's really odd and I've seen it happen to like people within like Africans for example they're picked on so much in children's te television in the media just their accents oh they're weird they're funny and they always hire people that are not African to portray the accents which I can understand if they did it correctly but when they don't and they use African characters as a focal point of oh comedic joke it's funny like they're hilarious it's funny the way they speak is a joke it translates to people viewing Africans in real life in that light and the last category of these issues presented by poor diversity on screen, off screen, however you want to call it, is soul tolerance. Simply featuring diversity without making an effort to actually enforce it. For example, television shows that feature black characters who make no substantial contribution to the plotline. And I don't mean like side characters because side characters can be found in every race, ethnicity, it doesn't matter. But people that are promised to be seen as main characters for representation to promote diversity, who have no contribution to make to the show besides the fact that they're black. It makes it seem as if the show's efforts to promote diversity on screen are hollow, have no depth, or they're just there so that they don't get canceled on the internet or don't receive backlash from viewers, which is very empty. And it's an empty promise that would make it better to just not have any diversity on screen. Because when you do it wrong, when you promote a very like, oh, a view of people that's like, oh, they don't really contribute, contribute much to any conversation, it's much better to just not have them on the show at all. Ultimately, all of these categories just work together exclusively to feature people from different racial, ethnic, socioeconomic, religious backgrounds, which appears to be diversity at the surface level, but ends up doing more harm than good to the populations it poorly depicts. Moreover, diversity can be directly linked to representation, which is important because it plays a large role in how these diverse groups of people are perceived. It can either contribute to negative stereotypes or the promotion of positive, inclusive spaces. And the people who perceive these diverse groups the most critically aren't adult consumers or film critics or directors, but rather children. Kids are incredibly impressionable, meaning that they completely digest what is shown to them, using it as a basis to form their own opinions. So that alludes to the importance of proper representation. If it isn't done correctly, it strongly influences audiences like children in the wrong way. I wanted to fixate this portion of the episode around a study that was conducted in 2019, which examined North American children's TV content, including channels like Cartoon Network, Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, and PBS Kids. Through this, researchers observed the diversity shown on screen and how it portrayed certain people according to their gender identity, race, socioeconomic status, among others. And some findings included these facts. Number one, 2% of characters were portrayed as having a lower socioeconomic status, when about 20% of children in the United States live below the poverty line. Number two, 
1% of characters had any sign of physical disability or chronic illness when 20% of the population lives with a disability. And number three, the majority of characters were thin, with more women than men being portrayed this way. What these do is promote unrealistic ideas of what can be deemed normal in society. Because when less affluent children, members of a financial group that makes up 20% of America, observe a mere 2% of characters with a low economic status, they start to become ashamed of a situation that they have no control over, deeming it not normal to struggle financially, despite millions of people within the country living that way. When children with physical disabilities or chronic diseases see no one that looks like them in the media, they begin to view themselves as an alienated group thinking that the issue lies in their disability or illness rather than a lack of proper representation. When the majority of women on screen have a thin figure and the majority of men have a larger, more muscular build, people who deviate from that appearance are influenced to believe that they're doing something wrong. And this all works to showcase the power of representation. When people promise diversity and do that well on screen, Positive changes happen in the way that we view people, in the way that we perceive certain populations, but when the opposite happens, diversity is promised and it's not delivered, or when representation is delivered inadequately, we can observe more negative effects, like a growing presence of insecurities and a rise in stereotypes. But as more progressive efforts are being made to combat these effects of poor representation, people are being swayed to believe that it's now being forced. For example, as I mentioned in the very beginning of this episode with the iCarly reboot and the introduction of two new black characters. A lot of the backlash that this announcement, it wasn't even a full episode that was released, it doesn't come out until like late June, but a lot of the backlash that this poster of these two black women amongst a very white, predominantly white cast received was centered around forced diversity, that they didn't need to be in the show, that they were replacing a character that was white just so that the show could get brownie points and be more woke and progressive, when that wasn't the case at all. I think the issue lies in the fact that diversity has never been something that we've seen throughout a wide range of media, throughout television, books, movies, shows, stuff like that. We are so accustomed to a lack of diversity and representation in TV shows that when it becomes apparent to us, it's seen as forced or as excessive, which is really sad because these two new black characters are two characters within an entire show that has always lacked diversity. I currently never had a large presence of people of color. It was mainly a white cast. I saw very few black people, Asian people, just any, I saw a very small range in ethnicity and race. So the fact that two black characters, two, like literally two, are introduced to the show, which has a predominantly white cast, and is now seen as forced diversity, that really just alludes to the fact that representation in the media has been so small, has it just been lacking so much that the just small amount of representation we get is seen as too much. So the growing discourse around the iCarly reboot and shows like it are begging the question, is forced diversity a real issue? To which I answer and firmly believe, no, because forced diversity doesn't exist. Besides the fact that we have become so accustomed to a lack of diversity and representation on screen that we now think any person of color on screen is too much, not we, but you know, the people that think that way on the internet, it's leading me to think that people are now allocating small-scale issues with the power to change the entire course of the world or the United States. And let me explain. The other day, I was scrolling through TikTok, as I do every single day. It's part of my routine. And I saw a video of a guy on the app complaining about the fact that these, like, gender wars are, like, so annoying and how, like, the world isn't going to cater to your issues and blah, 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 blah. But what he failed to realize was that when you make 
issues that are, exist within the confines of social media. Like, for example, the gender wars I'm referring to on TikTok just consist of misogynistic jokes that go back and forth between men and women. It's just, uh, it's nothing to be taken seriously. Obviously, like, yes, the jokes are offensive. They're rooted in misogynistic things, statements, but they don't exist outside the sphere of TikTok. And that's not to say that misogyny doesn't exist in the real world because it definitely does. It's systemic here. But it is to say that there is a very small chance that a woman will walk outside and be called a dishwasher by a teenage boy. Like that's not that's that's not the root of the issues when it comes to misogyny. That's not what we need to be focusing our efforts on. When it comes to small scale issues like that, like gender wars that exist on TikTok and mainly TikTok, social media platforms like that, we have to focus our efforts on larger scale demonstrations of misogyny, like the gender pay gap, like the wage gap, things like that, rather than, oh, like something that exists within social media and that only, within one app only. And I'm not saying this to veer off topic because I do that a lot, but rather to connect it to the fact that forced diversity is not major enough of an issue to be something that we need to be broadcasting on the news. I have never, ever seen a genuine example of forced diversity besides one commercial where two white men were replaced with two black people in an effort for the company to gain more brownie points. Because while that is an issue, the same way that the gender wars on TikTok, for example, are an issue, they are not something that we need to be giving more attention to over the real problem, which is a lack of diversity which exists in the first place. And this isn't to say that we should actively ignore issues just because they're not observed globally or because they only affect a smaller, more local fraction of the population, but it is to say that forced diversity does not exist in a large enough capacity for it to be getting so much backlash. People that heavily critique quote-unquote forced diversity never make an effort to make spaces more diverse or more inclusive in a way that represents them properly. They just say, oh, forced diversity is annoying. We shouldn't have these black characters replacing white characters. And then leave it at that, which one, isn't an accurate demonstration of forced diversity, and two, is kind of productive because they will complain about a lack of proper diversity, and then not do anything to fix the root of the problem. We have to start focusing on larger scale issues that actually affect a good amount of the population, rather than minor ones that are non-existent. So when it comes to the topic of diversity in the media, in television, in books, etc., we need to focus our efforts on fostering diversity before we complain about it being forced. Well, to wrap things up, we have reached the end of today's episode, so thank you so much for listening. And contrary to popular belief, I'm very excited for the iCarly reboot, whether or not it represents forced diversity. So if you think it does, or if you think it doesn't, be sure to DM me on at a little purse podcast on our Instagram account to keep up with everything a little perspective. And with that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's episode, and I'll see you next Thursday here on A Little Perspective.